Hi, this is Dave Pryor from Leading Agile Sound Notes. First, I'd like to thank you for listening to these interviews. I really enjoy getting to do them, and I hope they offer valuable information that helps you, your teams, and your organization amp up your ability to deliver on the outcomes you're looking for. Second, I'd like to ask for your help. We're trying to find ways to reach more people with the podcast, and one of the primary ways that we do that is through iTunes. To increase our ranking and get seen by more people, we need one thing, reviews. So if you'd be willing to take a moment and leave us a review on iTunes, that's going to go a long way towards helping us increase the visibility for this podcast and get it seen by more people so we can help more folks. I'll have a link posted to the iTunes page in the show notes for this podcast, and if you can spare a few minutes, we would be really grateful for your help. And if iTunes isn't your thing, we still want your feedback. So you can always just send an email to dave.prior at leadingagile.com. Anything you have to say, good or bad, would be very valuable to us. Or if you've got a question you'd like us to address in an upcoming podcast, just send that as well. Again, dave.prior at leadingagile.com. Thanks very much for listening. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Tim Wise and I are trying iteratively to record a podcast on leadership. So, Tim, thank you for taking time out of your evening. Thank you for taking the time again, Dave. Appreciate it. (laughs) So, we've started this podcast like four times now. Hopefully, we're going to get it right this time. Um, So, Tim, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves to the folks. But before I do that, I want to try to summarize where we're beginning. So this is going to be sort of an an open exploration of a topic um, that revolves around leadership, but the idea is about safety for leadership. So when we talk about transforming an organization to agile, there's a lot of things that we consider. People talk about safety for teams and, and team members and things like that. But we're going to talk about it from the perspective of what does this mean for the leadership of an organization? Is that a good good way to characterize that that rings true yes Uh, okay that's good summary okay so now tell these folks who you are hey i'm tim wise Uh, i've been with leading agile for about six years Uh, i think my official title is old fogey um, but I'm going to stick with consultant and <laughs> I, also consultant. Do some work with, <laughs> I also do some work with, uh, with Agile Day Atlanta and, and help organize that, or I do organize that, uh, and then work with the Scrum Atlanta group as well. Okay. So how did you get started with this topic? Oh, let's see. Well, I, I came to Agile as a, in the middle management realm and somewhat in that uh, kind of on that director kind of realm and kind of leading my own thing. And, and, and so this part of it is very, very near to me. I knew what I wanted to accomplish with, with just Agile in general, but as far as being in a leadership position, middle and up, I, I was still, you know, getting uh, getting traction there. So I still had a lot of discovery to do around that, around that, uh, level. So, um, for me, it, it became very pertinent as, as soon as I had agile teams start to, to, uh, kick off. And, and now the idea of, well, uh, well, how do I, how do I lead? What does that look like today? Um, that, that started for me very early on in, in my agile journey. Uh, and then subsequently, just out of observation of the community and what my experiences have been of, of how the community looks at leadership uh, and, how they, and how leaders look at the community too, there's some, and are they a part of that community? So there's a definitive need for me uh, to help define what does leadership mean in this new environment. And as well, I, I have, I, I do define the methodology at, at my clients. Um, and part of that methodology is creating a clear path forward from the leadership side. Uh, so it's not just a team level practice. It's a system that's at play. It's a structure of the team. It's how work flows to the, to those teams and through leadership as well. Uh, okay. So that's a, that's a very, it's a very close topic for a long time. For okay. Me. So, so when we're talking about a transformation with leading agile's approach, then it's going to be not just a team level entry, but we're going to be working with the entire structure, trying to create the environment to sustain Agile. And that's going to involve a lot of changes for the folks that run the organization. It does. Uh, and changes, you know, there's every organization is slightly different, slightly unique. So there may be different patterns that we, uh, 
that we articulate or we, that we evolve to. But uh, by and large, we're creating a roadmap for the organization to change and to change in a positive way uh, to achieve better business outcomes or whatever the case may be. But that does involve incremental and iterative change over an or organization. So we have to articulate that, not just for those teams, not just for their products or customers, but for leadership and everyone else that's in, in the organization as well. So they're kind of growing into this new way of working. Oh, I like that word growing, right? That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a really good and useful term that I think we'll, we'll have come up throughout this conversation. The, okay. the notion of, the notion of uh, you know, what do you think leadership traditionally has been looked at? And what do you think our, what do you think our, our community looks at leadership? What, what do you see and hear from, from those agilists that are on the ground? So I don't what, want to go there yet. I want to go to the, I know, I don't want to answer okay. yet. I want to go okay. back a little bit. Let's um, explore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to yes end you. I'm going to yes but you. Um, so I want, to, I want to go back to something you said when you first started to talk about this, which is you, you, you came up from like a middle management approach. You found Agile. For somebody in an organization that has come up that way, when they're presented with Agile, um, there's a lot of benefits that are that are kind of espoused. So you're going to get all the stuff. You're going to get twice the work half the time, whatever, anything like that. But there's not a lot of uh, definition for how that change is going to impact the style that they bring to the job. Like if you're a very command and control um, or one of those leaders who believes that, you know, you need to be really forceful and, and demanding and things like that, this is going to be a pretty significant alteration in, in your style if you're going to keep leading people through this kind of a change. That's right. And to be quite honest and quite blunt, when I uh, came to, to this, you know, the, the agile, uh, agile methodologies or whichever, uh, we had all kind of flavors in there uh, to begin with. Um, I was very much a, already a, a servant leader type. Uh, I would, I would say. Okay. Uh, so, coming at it from a command and control uh, aspect was very foreign to me. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I gravitated towards Agile. Okay. Uh, I needed to exhibit control. I need to exhibit command over, over my domain. But you can do that in a variety of ways. So for me, it was a very nice fit. It, was, it felt very uh, right. Uh, but we also have to recognize that not every... Uh, not every leader is cut from the same cloth, right? Um, and not everyone is comfortable with that. So uh, just like I wasn't so comfortable with command and control, yeah. Uh, someone else might not be as comfortable with all the various leadership styles that it takes to really pull this off. Well, even, um, even if you are a servant leader, I mean, for me, command and control was always an odd fit too. And I was very focused on being supportive of my teams and doing and saw my job as like I'm here to do whatever I can to help these people do their job but in an environment where you're surrounded by some folks who might not be that way or just an organizational environment that is very hierarchical um, where a lot of the books you read talk about you know how you have to kind of run things and be in charge and stuff like that that's a little bit unnerving sometimes, but also a lot of the vagueness around how stuff's going to happen with Agile. Like, you know, Mike always talks about how um, people don't just automatically figure this stuff out. You've got to give them some structure. They do. They have to have something to hang their hat on. And in truth, I think there is a balance here. There's a balance. And, and, and the words that I'm going to pick on are very specific to, to what I believe in, in any case. There's a balance to creating an autonomous team and having zero hierarchy. The zero hierarchy, in my sense of it, is a fallacy. Okay. And it's a ghost that's not worth chasing. But do we want to reduce the hierarchy? What's the appropriate amount of hierarchy? That's a question worth chasing and worth pondering a bit. So um, it's kind of like uh, the other day I had, uh, a group of people I was, uh, so I'm leading the methodology side of, of, a, of a very large client. And one of the, one, one group of people, they, they all tend to come to me and say, well, once we get to a certain level of maturity, then 
no one is setting the vision. The team sets the vision. I said, well, no, not exactly. You're talking about a team, a single team, and we have a thousand of those. That single team doesn't create the overarching vision of the entire company. So what is the hierarchy that we're after? It's not zero hierarchy. They're not setting the vision for the company. So there's an appropriate level. And, okay. and there's, there are various levels, but they also need autonomy as well. And what's the appropriate level of autonomy uh, that they should have? I came up with a, a little bit of a word that they did not like, and I was, I was wondering what your take would be on it. Okay. Um, it's, it's boundaries. So boundaries, what are my boundaries? What, I always what does think that of make as, you think of? I always think of guardrails, and I think that that's yeah, important. Guardrails, like that's, the, that's, that's the counter, right? That was actually their, their word that they were like, well, we like guardrails. Oh, better. so why guardrails is a boundaries? <laughs> well, actually, well, I, let, me, let me take a stab at this. Can I, can I guess Sure, that? yeah, go for it, man. When you say boundaries, I think of a fence. Like a dog in a yard, there's four sides to a fence. When I think of guardrails, I think of them on a highway where there's an open path forward and an open path backwards. And I know that I'm just not supposed to go off the road. So it makes me feel that the word gives me the idea that maybe I have a little more room to run around. Yeah. And I like that, man. Uh, so we settled on guardrails. So okay. <laughs> I win. That's the, yeah, you went, you totally <laughs> went. Uh, but the, the notion of it though, doesn't go away. The notion of it needs to be, an understood set of boundaries or guardrails, or let's, let's just switch it to guardrails. There needs, there needs to be an understood set of guardrails uh, in order to achieve autonomy. And therefore, in order to also from the leader's perspective, I need to know my own guardrails as well. I can't go off and do whatever I, whatever I want and please in all situations. Uh, so there has to be a clear understanding of, of those guardrails and of what we're in charge of, of what we're trying to do. Do you um, think that, that those, I mean, when you say that for leadership, I'm just, all I can think of is negatives. Like you can't interrupt the team in the middle of a sprint. You've got to go to the product owner. You can't go directly to team members, things like that. Are there, um, I feel like they're all about prohibiting people from doing stuff. Are there positive aspects of that? Of guardrails? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I think of when I, when I think of that is, well, I know what, I know what I'm in charge of. I know what I have the ball on. Okay. And I know where I fit into the overarching strategy of, of the organization. If I don't make the company's strategy, what part do I make and how do I fit into that overarching strategy? So that's very comforting. I think uh, it also gives me a license to do things like, innovate in that space so i clearly know i have the ball here so okay. let me go take that and run and run with it and make something pretty incredible so i want to i want to climb on this for a second so sure we say that we want the teams to take initiative to find ways to solve problems and and as long as it like just to take it to a very simple level as long as what you bring back meets these acceptance criteria it's good you go figure out how you want to do it we're talking that's a, about that's go a good little guardrail, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Criteria. Yeah. So, but we're talking about that same kind of freedom and expectation for somebody in a leadership role. So if, if we yep. say to leadership, we expect you to help us understand the vision for this product, they've got to have some way of defining it, but they can do whatever they want. So now you're going to get me to stand up. So I'm uh -oh. sorry for the noise in the background. So, so here's where uh, I think it's very important. Um, we have this I'll outcome. Have to put in like a creaking sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have this outcome that we define in, in this and is further along in their maturity and we call it collective, uh, collective autonomy. Sorry. Okay. Um, like the board. And part, yeah. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> that's exactly what my cohort there, um, they said, well, it's the Borg. Yes. <laughs> and I must admit, Dave, I, I said, well, what's the Borg? And then I was Oh, no, you did not. Exactly what. <laughs> Shame it's on you. Star Wars forever. Um, Star so Trek. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, we were, we were looking at, at, you know, what, what does it take? And I said, it takes not only us requesting 
to know. It takes a, a handshake in essence that, that whoever the collective set of people, the teams, the collective set of teams and whoever is leading it from a vision standpoint, they both agree that the other understands. I, I've had enough of leadership imparting what the vision is. I understand where I'm, where my guardrails are and where I'm, where, uh, where I'm heading as well as the, the leadership side. It also takes, I also, uh, as a leader, I also believe that the team understands it. That's essentially you're establishing some level of trust. That's oh good okay right yeah it's almost like a working agreement there, but it's not on one or the other. I think it, there's a duality in it, of uh, of no, I'm not going to say when uh, when I've when I have the competence to go forward. And competence is another word that kind of strikes issues like boundaries uh, does. So. If, but if I understand and I, if I get it and I have the, you know, the technical ability or the, the marketing ability or whatever ability I need, I understand that uh, we, we both understand and we respect the other one. But it's not, it can't be empty though. It has yeah. to be, I actually believe that. And so part of this is defining around, around that kind of outcome is defining what are, what are the workshops that, that we're going to do and take teams through to establish that what's the actual thing that we're going to do. And, and by and large it's, it's, you know, who wants as a leader, um, we often think from a team aspect, I'll just ask it this way as the team, we always want leadership to impart, more so we are not the headless horse right uh, yeah we're just trotting somewhere um but from a leadership perspective you wouldn't want your people to not know your vision either or not help you establish that vision or not you know whatever that case may be you would want them to understand so there's a there's a whiff minute for both sides of this that's yeah. all I'm glad that you mentioned trust because when you were talking about that, that's what I kept thinking was there has to be more than just knowing like who's got what ball, but trust that the other person is going to own that thing and, and trust that everybody around me is doing the things that they're supposed to be doing too. And I'm, I'm wondering if, are there things that you can do to create trust between leadership and the people that are doing the work? I mean, do you think sure. that that's a necessary part of it? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, so, one, you know, it's kind of carried out in some of these of, okay, well, what do we need to do? We need to understand the vision and where we're going and what we have the autonomy to deliver. We need to understand our, our guardrails, right? But we also need to understand about, well, if, if that's playing into the overall vision, what, how do we measure our own success then? Of when do we know that we're succeeding? How do we understand that? And at a very, very simple company, that might be, how do we affect the bottom line? At a broader sense, you might have to work a little bit at that to find out, okay, if I own this portion of a product or if I own this capability, how am I affecting what m the metrics that matter to the organization? And that can be a variety of things. But at this level, where those have to be kind of defined, not in a, um, that's one part of it right the yeah. metric side of things like how are we going to collectively measure our success well, you I can definitely shoot yourself in the foot with metrics don't get me wrong but but this um, is really this is really important because when you when you were talking about it i'm thinking i mean we can say it's got you know a bottom line or we can talk about whatever aspects of product delivery or product impact we want but from a leadership perspective if i am in a senior position how do we quantify and measure my success or my um, success isn't the word that I want, but it's the word that I have sure. my, my success in being there for people. And I mean, it's almost the same thing as how do you measure the success of a scrum master, right? Because those leaders are theoretically successful. If the people who are building the products they're asking for, if those products resonate in the marketplace, but that's not necessarily a direct connection to a good leader. 
That's that's one aspect, right? But that can be obtained. It can be actually attained uh, in a variety of ways. Command and control can certainly get get there on at times, right? Too. So, um, you know, there, so defining that leads you kind of towards a, def, a definition of a good leader. And much of the agile community would say, well, a servant leader is a good leader. And I don't necessarily think that's the that's the case. That's an aspect of it. Of you know, I'm here to. I think about it as enablement. How do I enable my team? Yeah. Uh, or my set of teams, um, and we all kind of help each other. Um, you know, that's the. You know, I'm playing on that duality card a little bit with that. Yeah. Um, so it's to me, it's also well. How do I raise up the next generation? And uh, one of the I forget how you said it, but I think about it as cultivation and, and other people say gardening and, and whatnot, but it's really about how do we grow other leaders in the organization? Yeah. And, and to me, that's the hallmark of a good leader is someone that someone that can be, that can rise up to another level and also be replaced by their own people. Yeah. Yeah. I think also to me, there's an aspect of this that I don't have any idea how we would measure, but, uh, or if it should be measured, but a good leader is somebody who is open to having their own ideas challenged and is comfortable holding their position and defending them and saying, no, this is why this thing is this way um, without, without being dismissive. Because I have worked for people that would like just shoot down every other idea and tell you why it was crap. That's not good. I want somebody who's open to exploration. Open to exploration. So that's, uh, and the thing that I thought of during that uh, that statement was, if you were a leader, where would you want to go to get your information? And it would be to the closest point at, that the that the information occurs. Yeah. So you don't want to you don't want to be abstracted away from information. You want to make good decisions based on things that are close to where they occur. Um, so for for that reason, I don't think you want as little hierarchy as you can. It, and at, at points, you don't want the hierarchy to get in the way of information. You want it to be information over uh, hierarchy. But you can't have an organization sense. where, I mean, everything's just completely flat. I mean, that would be no. unmanageable. So there's an appropriate level to it, right? <clears throat> um, and I do think it's within those guardrails, whatever guardrail, how many people do you need to to take care and feed this product or this set of capabilities in your organization, that is, that's, that's a guardrail. It's okay. um, a piece of it, right? So it's all in the art of breaking it down and how we structure that, that piece of it. And there will be leaders that have control over a portion, just a teeny tiny fraction of it. Let's say of a, of a single team of three people, let's say, or five people. And there will be other leaders in the organization that have control over 3000 people. Yeah, and that's a much just a more complex system. That's all. But the, I believe that those kind of those principles around this stuff kind of all apply. They all need a roadmap. They all need to understand where they fit in. They all need to understand what success looks like uh, through the the metric side. And they all and one of the things that you said earlier was how do they establish trust? So yeah. that's all context, right? Mm-hmm. How are we going to? What's our what's the lay of the land and how are we going to measure ultimately business health or whatever the health is of the things that I, that I'm in charge of. But the other side to that is that to establish trust, people need to, to actually show that competence word by delivering results and okay. Um, how do we deliver results and how do we show effectiveness? Do we have high quality? Are we delivering regularly? Uh, and is quality increasing and throughput increasing those types of, of measurements. But in addition to that, that part of it, what as a leader can I affect in that I can affect, uh, how well they, you know, they're structured to collaborate. Am I, Am I getting in the way of conversations? Is anyone else getting in the way uh, of those conversations? How can I help remove those barriers? Well, okay. And on the, on the, to get results, I have to have a competent team, so I need to invest in my team and share with them and, and get their knowledge space up for whatever they're doing. 
So if I am a leader, some of the stuff that you were just talking about, um, I'm wondering how how I would get a sense of that. I mean, whether or not I've got, you know, a team that's full of smart people that are doing good work, that's not that, maybe not impossible for somebody to get a sense of. But if I'm a leader, I believe I'm, you know, with the best possible intention, I'm showing up, I'm doing everything I can to make things available and open for these people. I'm doing what I think are the right things or what seem to be the right things. But how, if I was a leader of, you know, a team or a bunch of teams, how would I get them to explain to me or to show me whether or not I am there giving them what they need? And if, how do I know if what they're saying they need is really the right thing? Yeah, that's a really good one. I like the second part of that. So I, I had to back it up just a little okay. bit and, and answer a little bit of break it down just slightly though. Okay. Um, so, I am a big fan of how do we get more responsible people and, and how do we get more sets of teams? If you want to be autonomous, then you've got to be responsible for something more, something better. So it's kind of like autonomy, mastery, and purpose. There's, um, you know, we've, we're growing towards mastery, but on the autonomous side, we really need to understand what am I responsible for? Uh, but that's not me telling you can't tell someone they're responsible. Uh, you can you can give them the agency to go out and, and do that thing, but it doesn't mean they're responsible for it. So there's kind of the I, I really like the notion of intent based leadership, and, uh, and you know what and asking questions like um, what do you, what are your plans? Uh, what what are you prepared to do? What's, yeah. What's the next thing? And and, uh, and if they give you anything close to a, a reasonable answer, I say let them go for it uh, because I think that it, you know the the likelihood of success of someone that's going out and and um, and doing it on their own because they they came up with the idea versus me telling you exactly what and how I want it done. If they believe in their way and they selected it, it's just it's through the roof as far as how well that's that outcome is going to be versus the other. And you get the bonus of them actually taking the, the responsibility card and putting it in their pocket. Yeah. And one last thing that you've got to worry about doing, I mean, and if, if folks are struggling with that idea that if, you know, somebody who works for you has, has something they want to execute on and you believe in their intention, but you're still sort of second guessing them, you know, people will come up with all kinds of excuses why this doesn't work, but the whole David Marquette book of Turn the Ship Around is about guys on a nuclear submarine mm -hmm. doing exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And be used and, and, in complicated high-stakes situations. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what, what he was doing over there is that intent-based leadership. If you, want, if you want a really good read on that stuff, it is uh, Turn the Ship Around. Uh, so that's, that's a really good example. But as part of running those, those ships and as part of, of being in the military, they have very, very clear uh, guardrails. Guardrails, good. <laughs> that was right. Slid that right in, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's the thing that they have defined, and, and you need to define it a little bit more even in order to get that autonomy. And one thing that he always kept that, that he stated you know, if there was ever to be a loss of life or a potential loss of life, guess who kept the ball? He did. And guess who owned the decisions for what happened on that ship? He did. So it's not like leadership is a void that doesn't get filled. And now the team owns everything. Right. There's, there's, there's some give and take in there. It's okay. just how do you fulfill the best running ship <laughs> yeah. in the world? How do you make it? It's through a bunch of responsible people that really know what they're doing and they understand where they're at. You know. So it, it almost sounds like, and this I think is something that echoes with a lot of the leading agile stuff. There is, and I've not said this out loud, so if this, you're going to have to be the leading agile police on me for this one. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> With the idea of structure, guardrails, or boundaries, or whatever you want to call them, what we're looking for is freedom within a set of constraints because those constraints, they tell you where the walls are. And you can do whatever you want inside the walls. But if we don't know where the walls are, that's when we run into trouble. 
Yeah, I think so. And and just to bring it back to leading Agile a bit there. Uh, so how we structure the organization, it's we we know at that point what my what my team based guardrail is up and down the organization, not just at a at a delivery team level, but at and at an exec level as well, uh, potentially. Um, so if we're looking at how work flows through the organization, that's also a clear understanding of of how we produce, how we make decisions, how we uh, articulate the vision. And if we know the roles and responsibilities on the teams, that's another clear set of, of guardrails, right? Uh, things that if I know my place in the world, then I can now have some decision rights around this. But first, we have to earn it. That's my only caveat there is it doesn't come with a switch of a light. You have to earn it. And that's the, the whole thing about first, we're going to get predictable. First, we're going to learn how to deliver well and work on that thing called quality. We're going to work on throughput. And it's, it's somewhere along the way, you do earn the, uh, the autonomy badge is kind of uh, the way I think of it. it is, you know, trust is established because it's been earned both ways. Okay. So I want to ask you a question. I don't know if this is going to go a little bit sideways on us, but um, one of the things that I saw happen repeatedly when I was working in traditional companies was there would be um, like a middle management layer. And some of these guys would be very incensed. Like if I was in charge, things would be really different. And whenever those people suddenly got put in charge, they'd freak out because they didn't know what to do because it was easier to answer <laughs> quarterback stuff. So yes. In that, in that model, power and authority are given from above. They're, they're like, here, this is yours now. Have a cookie. You're in charge of the cookie. Um, but if I am a leader and we're moving into a transformation, and let's say I buy into this idea of some kind of guardrails or constraints, not just for the people that you know are reporting up to me, but for myself as well, how would I go about understanding what my own boundaries were, my own guardrails, my own constraints? Because I want that same freedom, right? Yeah, and I, th I think it's, um, you know, this is something I've been trying to articulate to others as well. It's a, there's a tiered level to this, um, if you think about it. As the size and complexity grows, uh, grows beyond what uh, the individual, that particular individual can grasp at that moment. Uh, as that grows, there's going to be other, we need to push leadership down in, in the organization. So, at the very top, there's a person that's making, you know, uh, in a public company, uh, yearly commitments to their stockholders, for right. example. Somewhere down the line, it's it's not like they, they want to command and control the entire company. So, well, what do we want instead? We want the leader, leaders that have the ability to take the ball and run and to form strategies and to do all those things that we articulated, but to do them and get results out of it. So it's no different. And there is a middle management tier that, that needs to understand how, how the, the company's, um, the company's outlook and what they're shooting for at the company level and how they fit in. I don't think anyone is, is really, um, if they're doing like an outstanding awesome job and really ramping things up. I don't think anyone can divorce themselves from that. Not a single person, by the yeah. way, not with something that's com that has sufficient complexity and, and, you know, lack of uh, extreme clarity, something that's trivial. You can get away with not doing that. But something that has any marginal level of complexity. I don't know if you can actually get away with it, but you'd have to be willing to share the success then share the ownership of the success absolutely yeah so i i do believe that the majority of of good leaders and not all uh but the majority of good leaders a, a good a great hallmark for them is giving credit to their team and getting giving credit to their peers and that's a level of humility and confidence so those two words don't often get repeated in the same sentence but i think they should humility and confidence that a really great leader in my opinion uh employs and you're talking about more than just 
the lip service of saying, oh, it was all them, but somebody who seems right. to like intrinsically understand that this is a machine and we're all that, part of this. It's really, um, you know, I was speaking with a, with a, uh, a CEO about a month ago, and one of the things that he said struck me really true. It rang true. Uh, uh, he said, um, you know, we were discussing uh, what, what we had done for companies, and, and I said, well, uh, one of the things I said was, well, I really have a hard time saying I and not we. And he said, well, of course, anyone that is worth their salt and leadership knows that you could not have done it without a team it's it's always a team effort yeah but i do i do uh really believe that as well and being grateful to the to the team as well and they should they should if you're a really great leader guess what they're going to be grateful for you as well i think i think that 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 word is really important and it needs to be put together with humility you being um having humility having confidence and being grateful to the people that you're working with because nothing happens. Like you said, nobody's doing this stuff by themselves, but getting people to feel that is very different. I mean, like if you're working with leadership and trying to coach them on this stuff, do you think that that is something that you can talk somebody through? I mean, because it seems to me like servant leadership. I feel like people are or they aren't. And I don't, I can explain to somebody what servant leadership is, but if they're not wired to see that, I don't know how I can teach them that. I've, I've never been able to figure that out. Yeah. And I think it is really difficult and keeping in mind that that's only like one, one way. Um, yeah. One so aspect. It, when I th also, one thing that you can think about in servant leadership is if the servant, if the serving to them, if the kindest thing you can do for them is actually, tell them what to do because they're a new team and you, they need clarity. You need to do that. That's your yeah. service to the team. Right? So, yeah. um, it's not all beholden to, to something. So I, I think a lot of clarifying points to people and saying, okay, let me up the game and let me, let me put more tools in your tool belt uh, with this part of it. You can work with more teams and get more results out of it. But is there some courage that, that's required of it? Sure. Uh, but it's, it's a measured um, courage because it's, it's not like you're saying, okay, I give you free reign to do whatever you want. That's, remember, we established guardrails, we established these. So I think there's a way to ease them into it where it's a much more comforted conversation to have and it makes more of a rational system to to pretty much everyone now that the great test of them will come there will be a time where where someone says hey where's that thing and and you know it, it, uh, they won't have it or there will be a test of of them to say okay how will i handle this situation i'm under great duress and under great um stress to produce something and my teams haven't produced it so what do i do now and a lot of people go into demand territory at that point yeah. and it breaks the system right or the or the system rejects them um, what i truly believe there is if you've been a great gardener and if you've been a great cultivator and you have the system at play that you can make reasonable decisions and if you ever needed to flex that muscle that people would actually pick you up and tote you uh, over there if you've done the right things and they'd say heck yes we're behind you but that's a earned that's an earned piece as well from it but it's earned uh by leadership from their people yeah um, so that's a bit and that just like the trust side uh, from a team delivering over and over again uh, and having the autonomy that both of those are earned. So I'm going to back up again a little bit to the idea of courage. Um, we say that we want, like when I'm teaching a CSM class, I'm always talking with the, the CSM students about how they have to create a space where it's safe for their team to run experiments, to try to get better and to fail because that's part of getting better. Um, you said some, some courage is required for leadership, like they have to be willing to, to take some chances to try to become better leaders, to try to extend themselves and see, you know, where, when they need to flex the muscle, when they need to do different things, they have to trust other people. Do you think that the same 
level of focus is currently being given to leadership in organizations where like at the very top of the organization, they're creating an environment and a space where the leaders in the company feel safe to try things that might not work? Or is it still like the stack ranking? Like if you're the weak one, we're cutting you off. Um, because I, I, it's easier to have a little bit of courage if I know that somebody's got my back as opposed to they're waiting for me to hit the floor. Hmm. Wow, that's a that's a really tough one to answer. I'll just give it, I'm trying to give it a thought, the thoughtfulness it deserves. But the, um, so what I see is at the very top of organizations that they, they are both risk averse as well as, well as risk takers, risk averse in the sense that they are laser focused on what they want to deliver. Right. And, and what, and the vision that they want to actually capture. So these are, these are not people that, that generally have achieved something for nothing. They've, they, uh, they know uh, that they have to, envision the future yeah. and to look pick up their head and look past the present uh, those types of things so uh they they tend to be really well balanced i find at, a, at an executive level okay. um it's the middle management part that gets a little dicey in there yeah. of what they've learned to date right uh can they pick their head up can they can they um indeed defend some set of principles uh and can they learn to cultivate and uh and do they understand uh all all the different methods that they will need to to succeed and to become that next level up yeah now i think what maybe could occur is that um and and i i just uh i haven't thought through this one so uh, my apologies for that but what maybe could occur is that those also get together and they say, okay, uh, are, our, are our executive leaders sufficiently cultivating the next level down? Um, and I don't, I don't think I can answer that. My guess would be yes, actually, but um, maybe not to the extent of how to work in a truly adaptive system or, uh, or uh, and to something that's more predictable. Yeah. I think I'll target predictability, but maybe not adaptability quite so well. Well, so, that would be, that would be a tough one to measure too. Potentially. I mean, if you were trying to decide, well, I think if you were trying to find some way of measuring how much you're cultivating these people, how much you're helping them rise up to this, like at, at a certain level in the organization, it, I think and uh, maybe I'm being naive, but at a management level, it does get really focused on the results. What is the impact of this stuff? But there's exactly. a more so, vague so kind a of soft to... focus of this, of, of how do I measure whether or not this leader in my organization is growing the people or creating a space for the people below them to grow? Are they being courageous in giving the floor, like giving the stage to somebody else? You know, you talk about being grateful to a team if I'm the leader, am I willing to step back and stand in the shadow and let somebody who works for me take the spotlight? That, that to me is a great sign of courage. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a, to, to take a step back and, and enjoy the spotlight, not take credit. Uh, I would expect most uh, people to do that and they don't always, um, but we can put the systems in play and we, what I, what I can do is create clarity and I, and I can create the roadmap of how to get there. What I can't do is create good people, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a little bit harder to, uh, to do a lot harder to do. It's not impossible. Um, or, 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 or wait to take a more wholesome approach to it. Maybe they're already good people, but you can't create the tr them trusting. You can't force them to trust. Yeah. This will support them. Yeah. And, and, and that's the that's the case. So, what are they responsible for? At some at some level of the organization, they're going to be responsible, and I think at most levels, for some uh, result, right? Yeah. And anytime you have a result of sufficient clarity, or, or not clarity of complexity that you're chasing after, <clears throat> the most appropriate way to get there is not to be predictive around; it's to be adaptive around it. 
if it's um, if you're honing in on exactly what it means to solve this problem or to obtain that goal you're not anything that's worthwhile and worth chasing is not going to be I'm going to do exactly this um, yeah. so you need people that can that can deliver today and deliver pretty consistently and predictably but also that can hone in on that on that thing that's hard to catch the the vision of the future that yeah. that goal that that uh far-reaching goal so you've got to keep presenting them with new challenges and giving them a chance to try on this different pair of shoes and see if they can walk around in them they've got to walk around in them Okay. That's, <laughs> that's the thing of today. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that, and but that's part of the part of the courage of it is you have to be, you know, if you're doing something like moving to agile, you're moving from a Gantt chart into you know burn down charts and stuff like that. You're still going to have a roadmap, but the thing that you're giving up yeah. is the the false predictability of the plan because in waterfall that's we right. all thought the plans were right, and now we're saying yeah, well, the plan yeah. the plan is whatever, but the process is what we lean on. And yep. people have to slowly learn to trust that. Yeah, and just like in the kind of like that intent-based leadership, right? Uh, of if it's anywhere around, if it's anywhere close, if it's anywhere in the in the ballpark, I kind of want to let them have it because that means that they're going to take it at that point. They're probably going to do something great with it uh, as well. And even if and even if what they do, I mean, it, I would like to believe. What if it fails? Just, well, that's what I, was, I would like to believe they're going to do something great with it, but sometimes they're not. <laughs> yeah, sometimes and that, they're not, and that right? that has yeah, to be okay. That's true, yeah. That has to be okay. But I don't know if it's okay as much as if, if it fails and you told them what to do, who's going to learn from it? Um, they're going to blame you. So if it fails and it's their idea and they believed in it, okay, great. There's tons of learning there. It's just, it's just the nature of human beings, I think, yeah. on that one. So... I want to try to wrap it up pretty soon, but how do we, like we've had this, this has been a really interesting conversation, but if I am somebody in leadership who's kind of interested in pursuing this idea or learning more about it, and we've mentioned David Marquette's book, Turn the Ship Around, but are there other, other sources, other resources you think people could kind of start to explore if they want to develop this aspect of themselves as leaders? Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, first, I would encourage people that are that are looking at this type of of you know growth in themselves, or maybe they are exploring. Do I do I have a blind spot? Yeah. You know, um, you know, be bold and chase down how you fit into the organization. Number one, but figure out how you how you know what is what is your measurement of success and what what are others measuring you on as well, and then you can create that path to. Uh, to success for yourself like you got to reach out and grab the ball as well but uh other sources um you know uh, i i really like the turn the ship around i really like uh team of teams uh is another great book uh that's out there general stanley mccrystal um on that one um extreme ownership is a is a is a good read um and uh, I want to add the responsibility yeah, uh, process because you talked a lot about responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Chris Avery, the responsibility process, that's one that's more targeted at agilists and kind of how to, how to take, you know, accept responsibility in the different stages there that you go through. Um, uh, there's, um, that's a, that's a really great one. And, you know, I know it may be, um, not uh, well. I still think they're very relevant on this one. So the seven habits of highly effective people, still very relevant, um, speed as well trust. as um, uh, yeah, the speed of trust and and one that's kind of emerging a little bit. Um, I might get into a, a bit of trouble on this one, but for for, for me, uh, for me, it's something that I I try to do a balanced side of research. So for me, uh, Jordan Peterson, who has been very um, controversial at times uh, has been influential on my thought process of how I look at things. And um, so that's another one that I would encourage. And he's, he's got uh, uh, 12 rules for, for life uh, and a couple of other, he's got a great podcast as well. So, okay. Um, uh, and that, a big YouTube all, channel as well, right? Like uh, yeah, he does have a big YouTube channel. Uh, there, yeah, there's, um, you know, he was born out of, 
forget what it was that he was born out of. It may have been Reddit or something like that anyway. Um, but anyway, um, if you like deep conversations for one to three hours, that's your guy. You know? uh, <laughs> so <laughs> you I, I want to <laughs> offer a suggestion too. So I think if you are, whether you're in a leadership role or not, finding somebody you trust that you can ask to be your accountability partner with this stuff, I think is a really powerful thing. At least it has been for me. So somebody who yeah. you know enough um, and trust enough that they're going to hold the mirror up even when you're having a hard time looking at it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And check in and I think that, that can help you grow quite a bit. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many uh, leaders out there already have uh, mentors, accountability partners, you know, they, it's a, it's, it's a really good and fun, uh, endeavor. Uh, I will, I will encourage people to make it a lifelong endeavor of something to chase down and how to be a better, because you always want to assume more responsibility, not, not less or find your appropriate level, right. Of, uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to be fulfilled if I take on this much. Uh, but, uh, I do think it's a lifelong journey at that point. Yeah. So, um, and get some clarity around what you do, <laughs> what you're responsible for today. <laughs> yeah, so you, you need to find find the, the guardrails so that you can try to yeah. excel within them. And I think that that's another aspect of this is being present with whatever you're doing. And, um, you know, if this is the, the stuff that I'm, I'm – in charge of right now, then I'm going to make that thing totally kick ass at dealing with that and then worry about the next step. A lot of people tend to get very focused on what's next and being with whatever you're with, I think is a really important part mm, of this. That's a different topic for a different day. Yeah, I think. but I uh, thought I'd tease it yeah, a little but, bit. But it is, it is really <laughs> important though to, that you don't get permission. Um, that's another bad word, but uh, you don't get permission to do the next thing if you don't deliver on this thing. Yeah. So Cool. Well, this was awesome. So what if folks want to reach out to you and dig into this a little bit more? They want to fight with you about Jordan Peterson. What's the best? <laughs> Do not reach out to me to fight about Jordan Peterson. But, uh, <laughs> the, uh, it's Tim at leadingagile.com. Uh, and I'm uh, also out there. Uh, you can catch me at Agile Day Atlanta 2020. It will be on May 8th this year. Uh, and we have our call for speakers and call for sponsors actually right now as well. So. Cool. So I'll make sure to put a link in for that with the show notes too. This was awesome. This was a fun conversation and I'm glad we did it because I miss doing these with you. So thank you very much. <laughs> I missed you too, man. I'm very <laughs> grateful that you, that you had me on. Cool. Thanks for doing it. All right. Take care. Mm -hmm.